Welcome to the next edition of P5 Protocols, the new subtitle of which is now, What Would It Take to Change Healthcare for the Infinitely Better? If you are coming from SoundCloud or iTunes, you can find our newsletter and our transcript at www.p5protocols.com. And our firm website is www.p5hsinharryvsinvictor.com. Our newsletter has great articles, quotes, and other insights, and is meant to be short and sweet, but also lead to more content for those with lots of free time. I first have to say that I am extremely excited about today's podcast, and those around me know I do not like using adverbs, but sometimes there is no alternative. As we dig deeper and deeper into healthcare and try to get every edge we can get in saving costs, improving quality, and massively growing accessibility, we find ourselves looking at every aspect that not only can propel it forward, but also what could hold it back. So, as mentioned above by the title, the overarching theme of our newsletter, P5 Insights, and podcast series, P5 Protocols, which you are listening to, is what is needed to occur to drive healthcare forward in a cost-saving, highly effective, impact-driven way. We will explore such items as integrative medicine in general, where we will talk to practitioners that can pull together the whole practice of medicine as treating the body with every available practical tool. We will also look at nutrition and diet and note that I formally start today as a client of Allison Gannett, our recent podcast guest, where I will do a three to six month trial on hardcore keto. Another one, detoxification is a major tool, which is very prevalent in Europe. Next is exercise and physiology, which I can go on and on about. Then other tools such as extreme cold, heat, such as infrared sauna, which I use with great frequency at home, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and others. Then breath work, such as that by Wim Hof and others. Then mind-body via meditation, yoga, qigong, tai chi, mindfulness, polyvagal theory, heart rate variability training, and other effective methods. And for those who read the newsletter, you know that I practice qigong as led by Master Li Zhanfeng, uh, and it is entitled Shenzhen Qigong or Shenzhen Gong. Uh, next, we will still look at drugs, uh, in some cases, repurposed drugs or next generation drugs like phages that can kill bacteria in less invasive and more creative ways. We will look at telehealth and remote monitoring. We will look at AI and machine learning because uh, they have great ability to create insights and even prescribe. And we will also at some point look at quantum computing, which will throw all of this into high gear within a few short years. We will look at ever cheaper regular diagnostics and the role they can play. We will look at the role of the iPhone and other mobile devices as diagnostic tools, especially for large populations in China, India, and the developing world. And I do not see any reason why they should not be used here. But above all, and I am not by any means saving uh, you know, for the last, the least one, but probably the single most important one, especially in the United States is a change in culture that must occur in moving from a practice of medicine that is dominated by the egos of the providers into one that is dominated by empathy for the patients and their families or support systems. So 
the point of this podcast today is to start with this last last issue, a cultural change. What I would deem the need to move to empathy as a driving force. Empathy requires that people listen. Listening enables all kinds of great things to emerge. Slowing down oneself and listening to where one's body hurts, or looking in the mirror to see what has changed, or getting feedback from loved ones that you know well can provide deep insights into things you never would have thought were that evident. Also, empathy is involved in patience and trust. Now, Bear with me on this short anecdote and don't shoot me for having this, what I believe is an endearing perspective. As a boy, when I was sick, I always wanted my mom, not my dad. When things were great, my dad was great. We'd throw a football, play basketball. He even, when he built our house in the late 70s, he even moved the house to one side so that we would have a piece of land so we could throw a ball. He also made me trudge through golf on few occasions. We played gin and gamble. We sat for hours at our backgammon table and played for a whopping buck a point. And starting at 15 when I went to boarding school until he passed away in 2011, every time I visited, we'd keep an open tab, ending with him always paying if I was ahead and me usually forgetting to pay him if he was ahead. But I digress. The point is that my mother provided the TLC. She brought me the soup, put cool compresses on my head. On warm nights, I remember her doing mommy's fan, mommy's air conditioning, depending on the day. She did puzzles with me. She took me to the doctor. The day I got into a few top boarding schools, she brought to school hamburgers from my favorite place. As I became a moody teenager, she listened for hours. And when those moods made me less than pleasant, she never talked back. In fact, the first time I ever knew of her being truly angry with me was only recently when I arrived to visit for vacation with my wife, kids, and our dog in tow. I will let you listener guess which made her upset. My point in droning on and on about all the things my mother did is those are things that moms and most women do. They show empathy and patience in ways men cannot or do not. Where most men go ego, most women go empathy. I believe women have an ability to anticipate and see things in their children and in others that men are either incapable of seeing or moving too fast to do so. And before the world starts beating me up, I think it is worth hearing that I openly admit these are generalizations and in today's world, even constructive generalizations can get one in trouble. My goal here with P5 Protocols is to open up a broad dialogue that puts everything up to question. I spoke with three very accomplished female MD PhDs just yesterday. All three are quite active in the medical profession at the peaks of their careers, but still see massive bullying by men who have also told these women to stop trying to show leadership. Go figure. It is rampant in the medical world. Huge sums of money are at stake, and when that happens, people get greedy especially men who have fears about providing for themselves and their families. At P5 Health Ventures, we have happened upon women everywhere we want to look. At Cohero and Primal, our first investments, the founders were women. At our next investment that will close in a few weeks, we have a woman founder. Ironically, Baby Scripts, a portfolio company, the founders who were featured in last week's podcast, is about maternity 
but founded by two, what I would argue, very empathic men. We have two other companies at which we are seriously looking, also founded and led by women. Women just seem to pop up in the businesses that require empathy, ongoing care, deep understanding of patient needs, and open-mindedness to new ways, among other positive traits. And when we find businesses led by men that we like, those men seem to have a high level of empathy. As devices and associated texting and social media invite less and less direct human interaction, empathy in many ways is on the wane. We cannot let that happen, and women are the key. In the healthcare system and in the venture world and everywhere else, modern media is leading to congressional hearings that will ensure what I hope will be equal pay and other important laws, all concepts that I not only support but openly embrace. I just hope that the laws are written so as not to backfire. If you are hesitant on the concept of women playing a bigger role in healthcare and in business, I think you should listen to the beginning of this video link coming from Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba. He emphasizes that the 20th century is one of muscles, while the 21st century is one of wisdom. He says that Alibaba's secret sauce is hiring women. I recall spending a week in Kuwait all the way back in 1994, working at Kuwait Airways, negotiating a contract to install cell phones in their planes. I worked with two Western-dressed Arab women lawyers. They were far and away the smartest, most emotionally balanced people in the room all five days I was there. Small sample size, but I've heard this consistently out of that part of the world as well, where men's egos are on the line all the time, that the women ultimately bring level-headedness. Perhaps it is time to go back to Daniel Goldman's work on emotional intelligence. To men, a lot of women seem to lack that. They appear emotional. But I find that occurs more in the home between spouses and overtired parents in general. Did you ever listen to the video, It's Not About the Nail? And the link for those listening is here. The irony of that piece is that men just want to solve problems and move on. They want it done. I know I do. In this video, the woman just wants to be heard. And so do patients facing tough diseases. Going back to last week and my posting in our newsletter about Nixon's war on cancer that so far has failed, war is about slash and burn, not listen and learn to come up with a better solution. So I ask, how many wars were ever started by women? Tough problems can't be solved too quickly, like cancer, like a lot of other diseases, and I'm not just talking generally, but on each individual case. They need time. They need nurturing, mostly of oneself. In the macrobiotic world, which I lived in for six years, cooking for oneself was often the turning point for a lot of people on their road to health. My teachers felt it was the energy put into the food. I do not disagree, but I think the very essence of slowing down enough to make oneself a priority to show empathy for oneself is critical, even more so than just putting your energy into your food. And another link here is a good interview with Sally Krawcheck, who argues against women being empowered because technically it means to be given power. She argues that women already possess a ton of power and should not try to use it like men, a topic for another day, I suppose. 
She argues about the many, many wonderful qualities women have, which I leave to this video link, as well as an Amazon link to her book in the show notes. These provide them with inordinate power. I could not agree more. Intuition, big picture thinking, empathy, shocker, building relationships, long-term thinking, and just plain caring. For now, I will leave a link to another expose book that sheds light on a nasty cultural aspect of Silicon Valley entitled Brotopia. I want to keep this message of this podcast upbeat, so I will decline from expanding on it, but need to at least put it out there as it is eye-opening. I will end things and simply say that we at P5 Health Ventures are always looking for people solving really important problems in innovative ways, and increasingly, we find women deep in those efforts. We practically beg for diversity as we know it creates stability that is needed to be the foundation for growth. I hope you will comment back and help us learn, and we are excited to watch and play a constructive role in how things evolve in healthcare and beyond over the decades ahead. To those who are not open to embracing women in all roles, we wish you good luck and thank you for the competitive advantage you you are giving us. Thank you for joining us at P5 Health Ventures. Again, you can find us at www.p5protocols.com or at www.p5h as in Harry, v as in Victor.com. If you're not already signed up for our newsletter, P5 Insights, please go to our website and do so. And if you have gotten this far, I always must humbly add, thank you for listening. Until next time.